<laughs> and a happy Halloween to you. <laughs> Spooky times. Spooky times. You are listening to The Crack. And this is the podcast where I ask you, what's the crack? But I'm not asking that today. This is the Halloween episode. Which means I'm going to be telling you a few Halloween stories. I did this last year, and ego stroke, it got wonderful feedback. Some folks seem to genuinely get a bit spooked by it. So yay, you know? <laughs> cool. Allow yourself to be scared. It's Halloween. Now, full honesty guys, I only got two submissions for stories this year. One of which isn't a ghost story. What about monsters? But it's Halloween related and it's a lovely little piece. So I'll read that later. And the other one that I got is a bit intense. I mean, it's a proper but uh, it's not very nice. Again, I'll get to that later. But the other stories I'm going to share with you are a bit more lighthearted, but they're from my own <laughs> my own log of Halloween-related stories. My own log. I've got a log in the spare room, pinned to the bark. Halloween stories. My log has something to tell you. Do you know it? I don't believe we've been introduced. I do not introduce the log. No, they're from my own, um, it's a top of my head. They're mine. Well, they're my family's, but you know what I mean, I've been told them as a boy, and they've stuck with me, so I'll share them tonight. So, whatever you're doing, maybe you're driving. In that case, roll up the windows and make sure the doors are locked. Check your back seat for somebody hiding there. Oh, you're sure? There's no one there? Are you really sure? Hmm? Okay, then. Or if you're at home, make sure there's no one hiding in the dark bits waiting for you to let your guard down and go to bed. <gasps> Close those windows and go and double-check your doors. Then set yourself down. Maybe turn off all the electric lights and get some candles lit. It's all about the atmosphere. <laughs> I don't know, grab your glass of wine or your bottle of beer. Cup of tea or chocolate. Maybe you've got a few grams of the green stuff. Why don't you go ahead and roll a big chunky dube. Let yourself relax. It's dark outside. There's a breeze from the cold wind. And all those dead orange and red leaves are moving around. It's Halloween, guys. Alright, here we go. So, our first story that we have here, like I said, this comes from the <laughs> the log of Spooky Tales. This is one of mine. But it's not about me. This story was told to me by my uncle, and it is about his uncle. And maybe one day I will have a nephew to pass the story to. And this will become the tale of the uncles. The main character in this little yarn is now, today, closer to 70 years old than to 60. But it happened to him many years ago. He would have been maybe 17, 18, 19. 
young man. And like all good and reliable storytellers, it starts off with him at the pub. Blazing drunk. Absolutely blutered and enjoying the ambience of a country pub in a dark night. Fire blazing, drinks flowing, chats with friends, laughter. A good sense of being among friends and having a good time. And don't forget how much cigarette smoke there would have been in the air too. But like all good evenings, it had to come to an end. He had to leave. So he and his friends, they downed their drinks, they put their coats on. Said goodbye to the others and went out into the dark night. No moon, pitch black, no wind or rain. A still, dark, cold evening. And now a long walk home. <laughs> In true horror movie style, the friends had to go one way. And my uncle's uncle, my great uncle, I'll just call him my uncle from this point, he had to walk alone. So we did. He got on with it, and we've all been there, guys, you know? They head home from the pub. You're walking home, you put one foot in front of the other, you just keep going. You had her chapping. And as unpleasant as it is, the walk will soon be a memory. So you keep going. You have no choice. This was going to be a long walk. And he knew a shortcut. But... The shortcut was through the woods. And then, of course, a cemetery. <laughs> now we're all thinking, we're all thinking the same thing. Don't fucking, no, don't do that. Do not, do not do that. No scary woods, no cemetery, it's a bad idea. But a drunk mind doesn't think like that. He wanted home, and a shortcut meant home faster. So off he went. Spooky woods, dark shadows. Anything could have been lurking, watching him walk past. And he gets to the cemetery gate. It's your last chance. Could take a bit longer and go the main way. Nah. He sets off through the cemetery and remember, I said pitch black. He knows the way roughly. And luckily the path had recently been redone. There were stones, loose chipping. So each footstep he took made a noise. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Just keep walking. Keep hearing the crunch of the steps and it'll be fine. And he goes along, alone. And in his mind he gets remembering the pub, his friends, the laughs, the crackling fire, the darts, the pool table... The conversations that seemed like the most important conversations in the world, but they're now all gone. Just memories. Good times. Keeps going. Crunch, crunch, crunch. And then he realizes, as he continues on, there's no more crunching. So he looks down at his feet as he walks and, oh shit, he must have at some, oh, thump. He falls. <laughs> and he falls far. He falls about, about six foot. Fuck. So he takes a moment 
stands up, shakes himself off, gathers what senses he can gather and evaluates the situation. This guy's just fallen into an open grave. Jesus Christ. So, he reaches up and he tries to get out. He grips the top and he scrambles against the edge. Pulls with his arms, tries to dig his toes into the sides. He heaves. And he can't manage. Okay, don't panic. Just try another side. Just try the other side. Maybe there's a rope or something to grab onto. And that's when he heard it. And that's when he heard it. And he wasn't sure at first, so he listened closely. Oh God. Yes, it is. Oh Christ, it definitely is. He can hear crunching coming from the world above. Slow crunching from the path that he was just on. There is someone up there coming that way slowly. Now instead of crying out for help, he did what any man would do. He cowered in the dark corner of that grave, and once whatever was moving around up there had passed, he would then climb out and make his way home. So he listened. Crunch. 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 And it was getting closer. Slowly moving his way. Now his heart rate increased and his breathing started to get deeper, faster, because he was scared. Crunch, crunch, crunch. All he could do was listen and wait. Closer now. Crunch, crunch. But the crunching had stopped. Where had it gone? What was happening? Was it maybe... Maybe an owl that was walking along and had suddenly taken off. There there had definitely been something walking on the same stones he'd been on. He'd been following the exact same path he was doing. Whoop-bumpf! <laughs> Another drunk man fell into the open grave. And my uncle, he, he was hiding in the darker corner. <laughs> so he heard this guy grumble and get up and shake himself off just doing the exact same thing he had done 10 minutes before but my uncle just hid there and you know his eyes adjusted and he, he watched as this guy went through the same motions he did the scan of the rim of the grave he reached up he tried to pull he slid his feet against the edge tried his darndest failed tried again failed and tried a few more times And my uncle, realising that this isn't a good situation, thought he would try to help. So from his dark corner in the grave, he says to the man, Here mate, I'll give you a hand. Trying to be helpful. And the other guy, apparently without even using his hands, just leapt out of the grave and took off. Didn't say a word, didn't scream, just boing, out of there. And my uncle eventually got himself out and got himself home. And as he said to my uncle, which I believe will be true, and he said that the other man. <laughs> now he either never touched the bottle again, or he never let go of it. <laughs> oh, there you go. First story. It makes you wonder if the other guy ever told anyone about that, or if he dismissed it, or 
fuck, maybe it haunted him for life. What do you think that does to a person? Falling into an open grave and then hearing a voice in the darkness. I'm going to help you. <laughs> Alright, so our next story, again, it's, it's one of mine. It's from the collection. And it's also about a relative, an, an, an ancestor of mine. That uncle I was telling you about was on my mother's side. And this concerns my father's side. And this happened to my granddad's grandparents. So it's an old one. Well, it sort of happened to them. You know, see what I mean? They never witnessed this. Well, they were part of it. The true horror, the scary thing, like, well, the proper horrific part of it, that did happen to them. But like I said, you'll see what I mean. So, my granddad's grandparents. My granddad, he's 90 now, so. Ye old tale. This is an odd one. Okay, so I'm from a small town. Uh, Scottish Islands called Grantown. Grantown on Spey, if you want to give it its full title, but it doesn't need that. The Spey is a river, and because it's by the river, it's on Spey. It doesn't seem necessary, because it's also surrounded by forests and fields, but it doesn't get called Grantown by fields. And three miles from Grantown, along the Spey, and some fields, there is a tiny wee village called Downen. And yes, I said that correctly. Downen, dull. <laughs> if you're not from, if you're not from, from around these parts, if you're not from around here, some folks pronounce it Dunalnein. But um, yeah, that's like when Americans say Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, you've probably got areas around where you are that just you can immediately tell if someone's local by the way they pronounce it. Downen is one of those. Tom and Towel. So it's not Tom and Tool, Tom and Towel. Now, Downen doesn't have much going on. And I'm talking about now, in 2021. Don't get me wrong, it's a nice place, but there's not. It's just not got an urban sort of feel to it. You know, there's not a lot going on, okay? Um, the village is technically called Downen Bridge because there's a bridge and there's a garage, like a mechanics garage. My granddad, he actually worked there back when he was about 14 years old. <laughs> and I think before it was a garage, it had been a blacksmith's. <laughs> the more I talk about it, it's not a terrible place. You know, it's a tiny, tiny wee play park for the local kids. And there used to be a restaurant. There's a shop sometimes. I'm not sure what the situation is with the shop. I don't think it's very busy. It's a shame. Am I painting a picture of the place? It's three roads. One of them goes straight through it and the other two just allow you ways to leave. Okay, so. Dolman. It's like something like Scooby-Doo where they stop on a dark rainy night. You know, houses and nothing else. There's a bench and a bus stop. <laughs> so imagine the place around 1914. <laughs> Alright, if that's it in 2021, pictured 1914, okay? Even less houses. There's no motor cars. It's a tiny wee village in a remote Scottish Highlands. My church. And it's still a church there now, so yeah. And the house my granddad was born in, it's still there. Horses and carts. He's told me when he was a wee boy he would run if they heard a motor 
car going through, they would run to look at it because genuinely there were still horses and carts. And there's no window plumbing. I mean, I hope there is now. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. No. no, I'm not making this up though. I've seen no black and white photographs of the place. It's like something out of a western. Y'all ain't from around here. Now today, in Dalman, if people know everyone's business back then, they certainly did. And one dark, rainy night, well maybe it was not raining, but it was definitely dark. One dark night, my great-great-grandparents were sitting in their little cottage. Which since then, I think it's been joined on to the next door cottage and there's been an upper floor built and it's now a house. But back then it was just a tiny wee cottage. And they're sitting in their cottage doing whatever you did in the 19-teens in the night. I don't know. Listen to the wireless, sir. Watch the candles burn, drunk tea or whiskey. Knitted, read books. I don't know. I don't know. But as they sat, someone knocked on the door. Knock, knock, knock. And it's a wee cottage with a heavy wooden door. So, you, you know, they heard it. Doof, doof, doof. Who could that be? Well, let's just check. So they went to the door. There's no one there. Odd. Okay, then. And there's nobody about either. No one in the garden. There's a long path to the, to the gate. There's no one there. Oh, well. Okay. Back to the armchair by the fire. Do, do, do. Oh, who the fuck? Back to the door. Opened it. Oh, it's your sale. It was their neighbour. It was a lady neighbour. And I don't know her name. But my dad's cousin, the, the guy that told me this story before, he he knew all the finer details. It's one of those times, you know, you tell it now, be like, oh, I know so-and-so that lives there. Yeah, right. Well, it was her auntie's sister. I was telling her auntie. Ah, uh, they had a different dad's... It's, it was a lady. It was a local lady. I don't, I don't know. It was their neighbour. Uh, she'd popped round. For a visit. It's nice of her. All the young men. All the young men in the village. They were all away to fight in the Great War. And people, I think, in sort of general, were more social back then. So the neighbour had popped round for a cup of tea. And they let her in. It's a cold, dark night. So don't you be hanging about there. Come away in. Come away in. Take a seat. That type of thing, you know the water boil and get a cup of tea on the go and she got in got settled and they asked her you know did you come by just now before and knock on the door then go home again before you came back what do you mean just moments before you knocked somebody else had knocked but they weren't at the door when we answered oh it must have been the lady who just left then what lady? I just passed her at your gate there. She just left. We didn't have a lady just leave. It's been us all night. Well, I heard your door close and I passed her at your gate. I said hello, but she didn't talk to me. I don't know who she was. What did she look like? She was head to toe in black with a black headscarf on. She just left your garden as I got here. Hmm. Well, that's the end of the story, but... <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Now, 
Yes, it's very strange, but there's nothing particularly paranormal or supernatural about it. But I don't know if you're familiar with the legend of the Banshee, which I think is more traditionally an Irish property when it comes to folklore. But these types of things, and even Halloween, um, traditionally Irish and Scottish, and uh, sort of get muddled and mixed. But you know, we have a history of being storytellers about these kind of things. The Banshee is seen as something, as an entity, uh, usually in the form of a woman in black who is from the next place, or whatever's beyond this life, something in between. Maybe it's a ghost, or a part of fairy, fae lore. And traditionally, she's a warning that death is coming. And, uh, yeah... No shit. Everyone involved in the story is dead. <laughs> it was over a hundred years ago. But if you go to Dalman Bridge and look at the war memorial, the name Grant, my great-great-grandparents' surname, it's on there four times, four different names, because all four of their sons died in World War I. And I do believe that my great-great-grandparents found out about the first one's death shortly after the evening I just told you about. So who knows, guys? Who knows? Maybe there is something to these old legends. Then again, fuck's sake, down and bridge back then, you'd be making up stories. So who knows? Who knows? But it's nice to, nice to think. Well, maybe it's not nice to think, fuck. Be listening out for those three knocks. Or the women in black. Okay, now this next story. This was submitted from Alan. Alan! And he's actually signed the story off with his full name. Sorry, Alan, I couldn't, that was like an impulse. I hear the name Alan. I always shout like that. Alan, Alan. Yeah, Alan, he's actually signed the story off with his full name. But, um... Alan, if you're listening, I won't read your surname. <laughs> you know how it is, Alan. It's nothing personal. It's just the, you know, the tens of people who listen. They may harass you on social media and, you know, you'll try to be anonymous and you go out. And, ah, prior life will be ruined. But thank you for sending this in. It's uh, certainly Halloween-y. Uh, right, I should just read... As written, so here we go. <clears throat> yeah, this one. Okay, go, go, go. The crack. I saw your post on Reddit asking for ghost and Halloween stories. I submit to you my anecdote I have been telling since my younger days. For context, I was a college graduate and had spent the summer working as an intern for a family friend out of state. My time was spent learning my various duties and falling in love with another of the interns. This relationship did not last, but I did meet Mary's family. Mary's? Mary's family only once. Sorry. I swear I've read this through already. Mary's family only once. After a few dates, Mary had told me her family would like to meet me, and I had been invited for Thanksgiving dinner at their home. I accepted the invitation, and over Thanksgiving we stayed in her childhood home. 
The home had been in her family for many generations, as they also owned the farmland it sat in the middle of. We drove for many hours, and when we arrived I got to meet her family. It was a large family, and luckily a large house. This may have only been in the 80s, but her parents were strictly old-fashioned. What I mean is, Mary had her childhood bedroom, and I got a guest room. Mary's brothers and their wives slept in their rooms, together. But the difference was they married. Or maybe they were married. I remember the property well. Cornfields surrounded the large wooden home. A sheltered porch tracking the home. A red barn and what looked like antique farming equipment left to rust. I remember the experience so fondly because I had not been raised near a farm. Her mother explaining how to care for chickens and her father showing me the harvest plans were new and fascinating to me. We ate meals that were organic and local, but back then they weren't labelled. Why I remember this is because of what happened to me at night. The house had been with the family for generations. Mary's dad had been born in that house and had grown up there. Mary and her brothers had been born there too. The house was old and wooden. The floors creaked and the plumbing bubbled in the walls. The guest room was at the end of the hall next to the bathroom. I tried to sleep, but the pipes in the walls would groan and bubble. The wooden house creaked in the wind. Then I heard a baby crying. One of Mary's brothers must have brought a baby. But Mary had never told me she was an aunt. And I had never seen any of them with the baby. I paid it no attention and fell to sleep. The next morning at breakfast, we sat at their dining table and were treated to a delicious breakfast. When a break in the conversation gave me the chance, I asked how the baby was. Imagine my surprise when I was told no one had a baby. I told them about what I had heard the night before, but it was dismissed as dreaming. I had no reason to argue. I heard it again that night, and when I got up to see where it was coming from, the crying stopped. At breakfast, I asked if any of them had heard it too. It was blamed on the pipes. The mood changed, and I no longer felt welcome. Mary told me when we were driving that she had heard it too. Everyone had. Mary had an aunt who had found her baby dead in the house. The baby had died in what they had turned into the guest room, the room I had slept in. She told me the cries came and went over the years. Objects in the house would move when no one saw them, and a bunch of other strange things happened. They would find the television on in the morning when it had been turned off the night before. Taps would turn themselves on. I never went back. Happy Halloween and thank you for giving me a chance to tell this story. My family are sick to death of hearing it. It's the only ghost story I have, and I hope it fits your podcast well. God bless and good luck, Alan. And he signs off with his full name. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> Damn. Son, that's a ghost story. Yeah. 
Uh, it gave me goosebumps when I read it the first time. And I got goosebumps reading it again just now. But thank you for that. <laughs> you got the full thing there, man. You got the old haunted house. You got the farm. You know, it's all going on. I thought at the start, I, I thought you were going to see something from the window in the cornfield or something like that, you know. Scarecrow came to life. But uh, no. No, the crying baby. That's, that's uh, much worse. It's a shame, too. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that one had a bit of a dark ending. <laughs> so I'll read the other submission that we got. Uh, this is a very wee, just a wee thing we have here. And it's a nice little tip, too, if you're venue-seeking. Uh, this comes from Colin. <laughs> Alright, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go on with it. A couple of years ago, my wife and I got engaged, but realised there's no way we could afford wedding prices. To save money, we booked our reception venue for a Halloween party, instead of telling them it was for a wedding. We made sure all the guests knew that they were coming to the reception. We made sure all the guests knew that they were to come to the reception in fancy dress, otherwise the jig would be up. Cost of booking the reception for a party? £150. Cost of same venue for a wedding? £2,500 upwards. The wedding itself was fairly traditional. The money we saved on our venue meant we could book the Botanic Gardens, which is my wife's number one venue. By having the fancy dress reception, though, we avoided paying the wedding tax on food, music, decorations. Spooky shit is a lot cheaper than fancy shit. We also lucked out with the Botanic Gardens. They double booked the venue with us in Glasgow. So to keep us happy, they let us use their lighting as part of the wedding. As you can imagine, the pictures are spectacular. By this act of reckless frugality, and by doing all the preparation ourselves, we brought in our perfect wedding for under £2,500. It was totally weird. Everyone thought we were mad, and no one is ever forgetting that hallow wedding. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. Uh, congratulations to you and your lady. It was, uh, that's a lovely story. It's very clever. It's very unique as well. It's personal to you as well. You know, it breaks the norm. I've never been to a bad wedding. I don't know if they exist. I'm sure they do. I've never been to a shit wedding. I'd never, like, leave a wedding. Football could have done better. But weddings with their traditions and their, I don't know, sort of the pressures to do everything, you know, they can merge in memory. As time goes on, you try to recall a detail and you end up thinking of somebody else's wedding. But as you said, no one is ever going to be forgetting the hallow wedding. <laughs> that was excellent. So, Colin, thank you very much for taking the time to send that in. It's a wonderful wee story there. Let me just check the time here. Okay, alright, okay, alright. One more, one more. Uh, this isn't a scary one. Well, it was at the time. There's no ghosts in this one. No, no ghosts or, or monsters. But it is a Halloween story. You know, I do... I do have another ghost story. One that happened to me. 
but a while ago, I think over a year ago, there was a there was a post on Reddit with somebody looking for ghost stories in hotels, and I submitted it to them. And they're just starting the podcast off. And this is before I had all the recording equipment, so it was just me and the laptop. But I sent it into them, and then they released their, and then they released the trailer, and they never seemed to get their podcast off the ground. So, out of respect to that podcast, I won't tell it now. Uh, I do hope they manage to get it going because it's the type of podcast I would love to hear about, Hotel Hell. Um, but yeah, if by next Halloween it's not on the go, then yeah, I'll use that as one of the stories next year. So. Come back then. Okay. That happened in America. We were on holiday over there. But, so, okay, okay, okay. So this last story, like I said, it happened around Halloween. And this would have been when I was around 10, 11, 12 years old. Just a boy. And I believe it did happen on Halloween. So it's appropriate for this. The primary school disco. <laughs> and the fun you were capable of having at that age. That age of sheer innocence. I forgot what the line is in standby me, but you know, it's it's before you discover girls. It's just a different age. So this night there was myself. There was myself. I was going as Harry Potter. But of course I was. Never mind my Nordic blonde hair. You know what the fuck was I gonna go as Malfoy? No. I had the fake glasses and I had the Gryffindor dressing gown. It was black with the you know the logo. And uh, my mum she'd mascara the lightning bolt to my forehead. So I was a blonde Harry Potter. Uh, my dear friend Gavin he was uh he was on in black. He had a long black robe, like big cape thing on, and wore black bottoms, black shoes. And I believe Jamie had let Gavin borrow his executioner's mask. Jamie had a side gig as an executioner, so he had a no, no, no. <laughs> it was it was a Halloween mask. It was sort of like, do you remember the scream masks? It had that sort of hood to it, but instead of the white stretched, instead of the stretched white scream face, it was just black mesh. So you couldn't see the person's face, but you could see through it when you wore it. It was a pretty effective mask, pretty freaky. Not good. And Jamie was Indiana Jones that year. I do remember that. Uh, but unfortunately, he wasn't present when this happened, but. This horrific, horrific event took place. This, this young boy hasn't forgotten, despite now being a man. Now, I, I can't remember the times exactly, alright? Fucking forgive me with that. But the disco started at a certain time, as discos, tend to do, as discos tend to do. And it was after school hours. It was dark, so... I don't know, it's... It'd be there at say seven thirty. Okay, we'll see. So it'd be there at seven thirty. Doors closed seven forty-five. Okay, fair enough. 
But these, these were the days. These were the days when children didn't have mobile phones, and we didn't even use emails or messengers or anything at that age. So if you didn't get your friend on the landline, you could cycle round to their house. If it was within cycling distance, we didn't tend to have friends outside cycling distance. Your world was as far as you could cycle. And if they weren't there when you cycled around, then you were on your own, buddy. You're fucked. You'd have to deduce where they may be, work it out, trial and error. Now, Jamie and Lee, they'd got to the school, disco on time. They were in, they were safe. Boogieing down, playing the games. But myself and Gavin, we'd arrived late. And the entrance to the school was, um... Obviously. It was, um... Yeah, the front of the school. But... Up a slight incline. Uh, I'm not going to be able to illustrate this very well. It's an old school. <laughs> it's old school. It is an old school. Yeah, it's got the bell tower and everything. Uh, it's all granite stone. I think it's like from like the fucking 1800s. And the front door. So you go up the incline and then at the top there's a step that runs across the whole top. And then to the left, at the end of the step, is the door. So you go up, face left, door's right in front of you. And then once you go inside, you turn right, and that's going down the hallway. And by the door, there's the buzzer with the pin code and all the things. And to the left of the door, facing out towards the road, if you like, on the wall is a window. Imagine that, a window. As well as there'd be no one to have on them, there's a window. But the window looks right down the hallway that you would walk down if you go in, turn right, and then, what is this? So you go in. So if you went out of the school, to my memory, you go in that front door, you turn right, I think immediately to your left, there was a staff room, and then further on to the right, the girls' toilets, Opposite the girls' toilet's door, there was a classroom or the library. There was a room. Uh, further on, into the right, girls' cloakies. Then right at the end, door. Beyond that door, you've got the reception's office, and I think the corridor leading to the fucking assembly hall, canteen hall, whatever you want. The main event. I remember the school layout that well. There we go. I've never been back since I left. Why would I? But I remember it. And uh, <laughs> back to the story. Myself and Gavin, we'd arrived late. The doors were locked, which for us was not good. Not good at all. For school security, excellent. But for us, no, not good. And if we wanted, we could press buttons. Do, 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 do. Could press visitor or guest or whatever the button is for, you know, lesson. But there'd be nobody in the reception office or the staff room or wherever the buzzers go so they wouldn't have been heard and we could hear the fun happening we could hear the festivities in the hall you know fucking the school hall sounded to be jumping it's a rager it's a halloween party for the ages between the ages of nine and ten so we were stuck outside and it was cold and it was dark and the only light illuminating where we were was the light coming out of the window by the door which was it was high up. Like I said, there's an incline. And um, beneath the window, 
There was a bench. I say a bench. There was a plank of wood that had been cut to fit into the corner. And there's a tiny wee gap behind that plank of wood. So myself and Gavin, we just, we just waited. <laughs> there was nothing we could do. Uh, we stood about and we hoped someone would come along. And I was standing on the bench, you know, having a good look in, trying to just look in the window, hoping that maybe Jamie or or Lee, or who else? Five or seven? Kieran or Blue, Daniel, Ryan, hoping somebody would come along. Robert, Charles, Sorry if I forgot on you. There we go. Right back to the start. <laughs> and it was only Jamie and Lee who knew that we were missing. And as I watched, someone was coming. The door at the end opened. Oh no! It wasn't Jamie or Lee. It was a teacher. One of our teachers. Oh, Jesus. You know, oh no. It's authority. And I mean, when, when you're that age, teachers are... You know, they're, they're the police. <laughs> I mean, now, I, I have friends who are teachers. And I know people who are teachers. And they're just as human as the rest of us. But at that age, to an 11-year-old boy, that's terrifying. We can get in trouble for being late. We, you know, we get a row. And this teacher, we didn't particularly like her. We didn't particularly like her. <laughs> and she was coming our way so instead of waiting by the door to be let into the party we were late to which we probably should have just done when we saw she was coming our way I said to Gavin something like you know shit fuck it's so and so she's coming and panic stations you know where, where can we go like fucking deer in the headlights we didn't know what to do like oh my god we could run but they'd probably see us and then, you know uh, the door, we heard the door opening. So, I don't know, what could we do? I jumped into the little gap between the bench and the corner. And I lifted the Gryffindor dress, dressing gown up and over my head like a black veil. And I just pressed myself right into the corner, behind the bench. I would have basically been invisible in the darkness. And Gavin, he crawled into a ball the hedgehog defense he crawled up and um, he flung his black cloak over himself and you know, he, he blended right into the shadows and pressed himself against the wall you know like, we were ghosts Halloween we were unseen we were soundless shadows but our stomachs were tight with nervousness we were scared like excited scared like oh shit and in our minds this teacher with her authority and being a smart woman, you know, she she must have surely known that we were out there. In our minds, that's why she came outside in the first place. Because there's two young boys loitering. And I, uh, Gavin was crowned up so he couldn't see anything, but I was just hiding in the darkness. So I was watching. And I watched. I swear this only ever happened once. I don't do this every Saturday night. I don't go and hide in the corners and watch. <laughs> do I um, I watched as she walked down the tarmac you know clack 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 big heavy heel shoes on and uh, she just stopped 
and at this point she was maybe six foot, five foot from Gavin. She was right beside him, but she didn't know that he was there. And uh, I can only imagine that to him, her presence was just burning. You know, he'd have felt her standing right there because he'd have heard the heels clacking on the tar and he'd have probably hear her breathing. And I watched as she stopped by him. And what was going to happen, what we were convinced, you know, she was going to turn and look straight at me. You know, just frozen with fear. And I, I stared on as she, uh, she, uh, well, she scratched her arse. And I don't mean she brushed her fingers gently against the cheek. I mean, she really got up there. <laughs> and then, um, whatever she'd relieved, it, it wasn't enough, because then she farted. There were two long farts and a final short one uh, before she walked on. And I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Gavin couldn't believe his ears. I could see him wobbling like shaking with laughter but he wasn't making a noise he, he, like we couldn't we couldn't, we couldn't do anything until we knew she was gone and um before we even got a chance to to break the silence and laugh the door opened again we heard a big heavy door open and it was jamie i'm sorry it wasn't jamie it was indiana jones uh, because by that point he'd noticed we weren't there and he'd come to our rescue but that, guys, that is a true story. And it is one I have not forgotten. And funny enough, I saw that teacher in Tesco maybe last week, two weeks ago. She's still kicking about. <laughs> but, you know, she's only human. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. This is, uh, you'll draw it there, guys. Draw it there to an end. But, uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. Because uh, I enjoy doing it. So, happy Halloween. That's the main thing. Of course, I've got to give you the usual podcast spiel. If you could please take the time to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, your family, anybody you think might enjoy it. Spread the word, all that jazz. And if you have anything to say, anything you want me to read or have read out, get in touch. All the social media links and email links, they're all on the website. The website that is thecrackpodcast.squarespace.com Oh, once again, that is thecrackpodcast.squarespace.com And as I said to you, I hope you enjoyed. Whatever you're doing for Halloween, watching a scary film, maybe you're going out of the town, dressing up, staying in. I don't know. Keep it safe, keep it sensible. <laughs> Happy Halloween, guys, all right? So until next time, as always, take care of yourself, be good to each other, don't take any shit, but just be good. I'll talk to you next time, guys, alright? Watch out for any spooks, ghouls, witches, warlocks, anything scary.